Hello, I am Mark Tucker. And I'm Alan Furstenberg. Welcome to Two Voice Devs. Yeah, it's Two Voice Devs. Hey, Alan. Hey, Mark. How's your week been? <laughs> it's actually been a few weeks since you and I have chatted, since last week's episode was uh, we had recorded earlier. Yes. Uh, it's it been busy. Just keep moving on on, on you know, doing what I do with voice at work and and also on the side. I appreciate your help this last week with uh, trying to figure out which display um, approach I should take for a leaderboard on uh, on Google Assistant and especially with the home hub. I gotta say this, one of the things I like I like the most is helping people kind of, uh, who are approaching a problem, say, well, here's here are our options, let's narrow it down to figure out what works best for you. And yeah, you know, no, solving those kinds of problems. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what to do on the, on the, the, the tap or the selection of the item. I guess I could show the detail, which would be just exactly what's on the, the list, but I, I don't know, or can I just give a voice response and not do anything display? You can just give a voice response and not do any, you know, not have to display anything. All right, maybe I'll try that. I haven't got to that part yet. Thanks. I th what are you, when, when we were talking about what we wanted to do for this one, uh, you, you put down a proposal and I looked at that and I thought it was going to be interesting. So why don't you introduce what you wanted to talk about? All right. Well, so um, one of the things that uh, that you need to do uh, if you're going to do a skill that uh, either gets somebody's personal information or accesses different things is permissions. Um, so you need to be able to um, ask the user if you can do certain things, um, like use their personal information, email or address or phone number or whatnot. Um, but how do you go about getting that permission from the users? There's a number of different ways that you can do it. There's a number of different ways that, that Alexa does it. And, and, Google, and Google's approach sounds really, really different than even that. And, um, and part of what I think is, is important is that, you know, one of the things we like to talk about is how important context is. And getting this personal information like context is really so critical so often. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give just a, like a quick overview of some of the groupings of information that you can get from um, Alexa, just to to give our listeners an idea of some of the just, things you know what I'm talking about what, from my perspective. Yes, exactly. So you have an Amazon account that you link with Alexa, and so now you have an email address that was your Amazon email address that now you can access inside of your skill and you could use that to send out uh, like newsletter or, 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 or different things. Um, yeah, I know that's interesting, isn't it? Um, but then you can also um, add some additional profile information that could be a name or a mobile phone number or your device itself could have um, an address or geolocation uh, and each of your devices could be set up differently. They all share the same profile um, and then there's also something that recently came out with on the personalization side of things where I could be identified differently in my household by my voice pattern from somebody else. So besides the, the user ID, which I get, which is really a unique ID for my Alexa account for the instance of the skill that I'm currently have enabled. Let that sink in a little bit. So user ID is really more of an account ID. It's for anybody in the household, but I could have unique person IDs uh, for each person in the household. So you could customize things based on on, on individual user. I know it's- uh, and, and you, and okay, keep going. <laughs> so, so you'd need permissions for that uh, too, separately. 
Um, if I wanted to be able to receive notifications, um, you know, have my ring show up on my device and, uh, and either get personalized or broadcast messages, um, I still can do that. I can set reminders, I can set um, timers, I can add to add or read from like to-do lists and shopping lists. Uh, let's see if there's anything else I missed. Oh, I could do Amazon Pay inside of my skill and buy, you know, real life goods and services. Um, I think that's that's most of them. But most of the the um, permissions that this is like when I first started. The only way you could do it is that you're in the middle of your voice flow and you want you execute some sort of an intent that you want to do something. Let's say it's a um, send a newsletter, you know, I say, hey, send me the newsletter. Um, so that intent fires and it looks to see if I have permission. If I don't, then the accepted approach was um, I need to tell the user that they don't have permissions, send a card to the Alexa app to say, go give me permissions and then end the skill flow, which is kind of like I'm in the middle of doing something and all of a sudden it's like, you know, stop leave this experience, go give me permission someplace else, then come back in and start the experience over again. Yeah, that is a little bit weird. And, and I mean, that, and that was the origin of the various, the, the original cards that we've talked about a, a few episodes yes. ago, right? So, okay. so, so one, of the, one of the cards um, was the permission card that you could use for different permissions. That still is the way that happens for most of the um, permissions. There's two new permissions that we just received, which was setting timers and setting reminders. And now Amazon's allowed you to enable that as part of the voice flow. So I could say, set a reminder, and if I don't have permissions set, then it's going to give me a voice prompt wanting to know if I want to set permissions. I can say right in the middle of that same voice flow, yes, I do, and then the permission is set and the and the reminder is added or the or the the timer is set now okay so so some of that is actually pretty it's more similar than i thought to the way uh, google handles it so again to give kind of an overview google has it doesn't have permissions in the same way since these are all kind of scattered at different parts of the system and and you you handle them in different ways so um there is what they refer to as user information and that's uh, name, course location, and precise location of the device or whichever device you're using at that moment. So if it's a speaker, it's a fixed location. If it's mobile, you can get a GPS read for a precise location. Um, there's also, and this is kind of a weird notification, is what they refer to as a place or location. And normally this just refers to things like, you know, um, Joe's Deli, you can refer to, or you can refer to a street address. But you can also refer to places and locations that are in your Google contacts list. And that's a standard Google oh, thing. So I can say things like home, and your back end will get the address for home, but you need to give permission for that at that time. And both of those actually have the odd and annoying aspect that you need to grant that permission each and every time. Which, yeah, I was going to say, so, is, so is, it's not all of the permissions, but some of the permissions have to be prompted every time, right? Well, all, all except for one, which I'll mention in a minute. Okay. Um, but the advantage is at least those two can be handled purely with voice. 
So there's kind of a, a what they refer to as, or what they used to refer to as a helper. So you would say, trigger this helper to get this information and come back to me, either with the information or that they rejected the information. Right. So it's not quite part of the flow, but sort of is. And, and the way they're handling, they're starting to handle it now are through these special intents um, that are part of Action Builder. One of the kickers though, is that not all of them have been implemented yet for Action Builder. So you can't get the location using an Action Builder action yet. You still need to be using Dialogflow to do that. Um, oh, that's interesting. There's also notification, there's also, uh, permissions, again, that are part of the inline conversation for things like notifications and setting up daily reminders. Um, and both of those, I, I believe they can be done with voice, even though they're not delivered to a voice platform. And then finally, there's transactions, which are a whole other ball of wax, which I'm sure we're going to talk about many, many times in the future. Um, the other odd kicker to all of this is what they refer to as uh, sign-in or account sign-in or various other names. Right. And in there, they've got a couple of different flavors of it. So there is one where you can sign in using standard OAuth servers. And in that case, it'll kick you over to a mobile device, send you out to somebody else's OAuth server where you sign in and get back and codes are exchanged and we will deal with that entire mess another time. Okay, so that sounds like um, Alexa's account linking. Okay. Yeah. Oh, it's probably very similar to Alexa's account linking for no surprise. And I'm sure we will discuss that also in great length yeah. and some other time because that's a whole, whole conversation. And then they have what I think is one of the cooler things that I wish was just a little bit cooler. And that's what they call Google sign in for assistant. And this leverages the fact that the account that you have for the Google Assistant is a Google account. And Google accounts have interesting properties about how they work across all of Google's properties. Mm -hmm. um, so you can now say things like, uh, authorize somebody to sign in just using their Google account. You can do that complete with, completely with voice there's some strange wording that ends up in there, like, are you sure you want to create a new account for the name of your action? But all that really means is that you're giving the action Google OAuth, to OAuth tokens to access your Google account information. Right. And you can get name and email address through that. And that's handed over every time, done complete with voice, really seamless. And if you've got a website or a mobile app, that uses the same account, that, that uses the same OAuth tokens on the back end, then you don't even need to do that on the voice. You just need to authorize it on any of the properties and all of your properties have access to it. Hmm. So for you, example- what would, you, yeah, what would you use that for? I use it all over the place. This is the greatest feature. <laughs> so for example, if someone comes into um, an action of mine called Voodoo Drive, and they go to the website and they log into it on the website, when they visit Voodoo Drive's uh, audio version, uh, assistant version, they don't need to sign in. I know who they are. Well, that's interesting that it flows over. It, it, every, basically what it means is that once you have authorized, you know, Google's approach is kind of like saying, 
you know, we've got web apps and we've got mobile apps. And you just need to sign into either one of those two and grant permission to, they're the same app, just some of them are mobile and sometimes they're yeah, web. Okay. But it's really just one app. And they've now extended that to say, we also have actions, which are also just the same app, no matter what the front end is. When you sign into one, you've now signed into all of them. And that's really powerful because there you can also do things like grant a whole bunch of other Google OAuth scopes, which we're not going to go into right now, but it lets you do some, some great things. Yeah, no. So it sounds like you could get access to, you know, your Google drive or your photos or all kinds of things. Exactly. And, and not have to have the, uh, hassle of a voice login. Well, even right. more so, one of the catches to this is that the voice login will never grant you permission to these to, to any of the other Google scopes. So it will never grant access to photos or drive or any of those others. Right. But if you go to the website or on the mobile app and grant access to it through one of those, then you have access to it through the assistant because the permissions carry over. So yeah, so you could have a situation where you log into a mobile or a web app that's that's you know another view into your you know same data have a action link on it that you click to kick off your um, your action yep. and then your you can do it by voice or continue on from there and you're good to go. Yep. Very nice. That's that's pretty cool. We'll discuss all of the the clever things you can do with it another time because we're talking about permissions this time. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about, um, there's additional ways that you can get permissions and I wanna talk about permission stickiness. This idea that in some cases on, on Assistant you have to voice authenticate it every time. Well, more than on um, some cases. It's, well, in, yeah. except for that one case of doing account linking, every time you have to grant permission. So anytime I want to access uh, an email address or a, you know, an address or geolocation, I have to verbally give permission that this time, what I'm about to do, I give, I'm giving permissions. Just to, to clarify, a, a physical location, yes. Email address, since you get it through account linking, that you only need to do once. But okay. since physical location is not done through account linking, right now, that's something that you need to ask for every single time. Okay, so um, the interesting thing, so the, the only two right now, like I say on Alexa, you, you can give voice permissions for is permission, uh, sorry, is uh, reminders and timers. And once you do that once in some invocation of your skill, anytime after that, it's enabled. Um, you don't have to do the voice you, you, you know, behind the scenes. You're going to check to see if there's permission there and, and there is. And so you just, you just go ahead and use it. Um, so I think that's, it's, it's an interesting approach because before, like if we think about the way that it used to be where you had to go do a card. So what the card would do is actually take you to the Alexa app, which would take you to the, like the skill detail page where there was a settings button and you click on the settings button and it's going to list all the different permissions that you want and you go check, check, check of which permissions that you want. 
But once you enable the permissions there, or I guess the other way is like if I'm I'm brand new to the skill and I'm and I find it in the skill store and I go to the detail page, and I'm going to click enable. Uh, then I can also click on settings and go check check check. So, but once I give permissions once for that skill to do that, I don't have to give permissions for it again. And and I think that's you know that very much echoes the way that you know that that mobile apps do that sort of thing. Yes. But but. You said something that, that I find interesting. So it brings up the card, but the card itself doesn't doesn't let you enable the permission. It takes you, then has to take you to the settings. All the card page. is is a, is a click to uh, to the settings to page. Actually. So it's it's oh, interesting. It, it's a little bit different view on it, but it, yeah. So in the end, it's just going to take you to the permissions page. It's the same. Maybe it's a different view into the same thing that you could get okay. if you went okay. to the skill store. But but it's yeah, it's it's still pretty much. Um, the, the, the same, you know, the same approach. But the two cases where you can voice enable it, what happens is when you voice enable it, it's like you toggled it on and they let you know that if you want to change that, then you go to the Alexa app to change it. So my preference is that all prefer that all permissions would be voice enableable and that they would be a toggle on. So once you give them permission, then you're good to go. And there is no leave my flow from my voice experience, go to a mobile or web experience to enable the permission to then go back. And yeah, I'm not that, sure why, that, why that they've really, chosen to do that or? Well, I, my, my guess, and this is, uh, this is kind of based on my perspective from where I, why I see Google doing some things that they do, is I think that people just aren't used to doing um, voice control of things. And they were worried that people were going, you know, Right now, both companies have this huge privacy and security perception problem. Yes. Google more than Amazon, but still, I think there was this concern that people would accidentally turn things on and not know how to turn things off or not know that they're on or whatever. Yeah. And you start getting Facebook privacy problems. Yeah, yeah, I, could, I, could, I can see that. Um, Part of it, I think, too, has been an evolution. I think some of the newer permissions, you know, they realized that the, the experience would be really terrible if you tried to set a timer or a reminder and had to leave the flow to do it. People just wouldn't do it. Um, so I think they've started enabling it. And, and I don't know, maybe they'll go back and, and some of them or all of them, they'll go back and allow voice enabling. Of, they've obviously figured out that there's a way to do that. And it's probably something that could be turned on for each of the existing permissions. It's just now going to be interesting to watch if they do that or not. If they go back and, and retrofit it yeah. or exactly what they do. And yeah, no, we're, you know, we're seeing that sort of thing now on the assistant side. You know, like I said, permissions is not currently available with actions on Google uh, with, uh, with the actions builder. And what I'm kind of hoping is that when they went to implement it, someone said, you know, maybe we could do this a better way. Maybe, you know, yeah, maybe. Hopefully, maybe there's an advanced, more advanced way of doing something. Right, because come out for those other ones. Because honestly, asking every single time, are you sure you want to grant permission for it to access your current now, location? Now I have a question: Is it every time that you execute that intent, or every time in that uh, in a new session? So, like, if I were to say send something that, like, maybe I'm saying. Uh, send me a newsletter and well in your case it doesn't do it doesn't do emails but let's say I'm, I'm doing a location like what's my location 
and it asked me if, if I want to have access to the, the geolocation. And I say, yes. If I turn around and execute that same intent again, do I get voice prompted again or is it cached yes. for the session? Well, no, Google, Ooh. there is nothing that the assistant will do that will cache that information for you. You are certainly free. And in fact, one of the things they recommended for course location or for since the, the, since all of that was grouped under what they called user information. Mm -hmm. So they suggested that you cache that information as part of your storage for the user. And that's fine when you're talking about the user's name. And that makes sense, you know, that you only ask for the user's name once, you don't ask for it over and over. Asking for their location, it kind of makes sense when you're thinking about speakers that aren't expected to move, that you ask for the location once. So like if you're a pizza delivery place, and you know you're always going to be delivering to this location of this speaker, yeah, you can cache the location either as part of that session or wherever. Mm -hmm. But when you start dealing with things that are running on mobile or things that are running through Android Auto, it's not reasonable to expect that the precise location is going to be a static location. Correct. So yeah, so what you need to do as part of a single session is you ask for it once and you store it just for that session because a session's you know several seconds at most, so it's not going to change. But it means you need to re-ask it at the next session. Yeah. And and there are actually even even with that, there are interesting events if uh, if you keep yeah, it's basically even even precise locations won't the the assistant caches the precise location during a session, but doesn't cache the permission. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah, it's you know, <laughs> but I, I think you know, and, and on one hand, I can understand why Google did that because yeah. you don't you know they've been burned by you know, uh, by mobile apps that ask for a ton of permissions that they didn't need. Yes. And now keep getting your location for something that doesn't need location. Oh yeah, there's all kinds of, you know, accessing different things that you, they right. have no reason to be accessing and. Right, so I can, I can very much understand why, at least initially, they, they played a little cautious on this. What role do you see the, um, the privacy policy that you you um, send out with your voice experience, um, revealing what those permissions are or how the data is being used. You really that... need to. I mean, because I I know that they check that, you know, and if, if they see that you're asking for permissions, if they see you're asking for account information and doing account linking, there they know that you are. Uh, crossing over into a line where you need to be addressing privacy concerns, right? And if all you're saying is, yeah, whatever, uh, they'll, they'll ding you for that. Yeah, I, I can't remember the exact uh, situation that I had, but I was doing multi, um, multi country skills. So I was releasing it all the English locales, you know, US, UK, Canada, Australia, India, um, Great Britain, right? Um, did I miss anything? Um, India, um, all those. So anyway, um, there was something that I had a permission for, but it wasn't supported. Oh, it, it was a, 
this is what it was. It was a situation where the permission was allowed in all of those okay. countries, but I also had in-skill purchasing enabled, which was only allowed in two of those five countries. And I had tied one of the things that you could do would be to get email notifications based on um, if you had a subscription to something or not. Mm -hmm. And so the only reason why I had the permission in there had something to do with in-skill purchasing, but then I couldn't turn on or off the permission per location. It was per skill. So even though, yeah, so I, so because I did email asking to, to send an email, um, I had to do something that was free available for all the locations with an email so that I could still have that email. So you could legitimately ask for the permission. But I asked for the, yeah, the, the permission because, because they were like, well, I don't see there's anything that you're doing in this country with this, you know, why do you need this permission? Turn it off. And I'm like, well, I can't turn it off for this country. You know, well, you tell me how I can turn it off for the country. And they said, you can't. And I'm like, well, okay, now I'm in this pickle where skill purchasing uh, is, is not available, but this permission is. And so I had to figure out a way to, to solve that. that yes. Yeah, I, I feel like we need to talk about the review team some other time as oh, well. Yes. Because that's, oh, I, that's I've, got a, I've, got a, I've got a dilemma. So we were talking about privacy policy. There is an event that you get when you enable an Alexa skill. So even before you invoke it, then there is a there there is a an event that actually you know calls your webhook and invokes the the skill with a special event that says it's been enabled um, and disabled. So like if, when I disable a skill, I can delete the database entry that's associated with that user. But once again, Alexa automatically gives you a user ID. So once you enable it, so and then that sticks that sticks with you, right? So there was a situation where there was a skill that um, that allowed you to um, set the permission if you gave if you wanted to give them access to the email address. So I did that at the time that I was in, enabling the skill. I enabled the skill. I saw that there were some settings. I turned on the email, and then I got busy and I didn't actually invoke the skill. So then I started getting emails from the. <laughs> The company that was the creator of the skill um, and it was like two or three times a week about different things it gave me an, a way to opt out of that email but it seemed what was you know what I figured out was happening is during that enabled event they were checking to see if you had the permission and they would just they signed you up to this back-end process of sending you out newsletters and I was I don't know what's your feeling on that that seems this is a case where uh, I can I can say this is why I like Google's approach better. Um, that there is no such thing as enabling an action. You you know it's it's more akin to visiting a website. You visit the website and then you can do something there. So it's mm -hmm. uh, the the downside is they also don't know when you've disconnected it, or it's significantly harder to know yeah. when you've disconnected it. Um, so there's the downside of that. Um, I think that borders on a little shady because that's not a, uh, it's not the same kind of double opt-in that we've taught, you know, that we're used to in the past. Yeah, I, I'm used to um, having the permissions be something that needs to be invoked by an intent as opposed to enabling. Yeah. So I know. Yeah, I don't I think it was 
explicitly said you couldn't do that, but it did seem like a gray area to me. Yeah, it, it seems a little shady to me. I know that in all of the stuff where Google does require to do things like notifications, for example, um, in addition to the permission, the policies require you to explicitly say, do you want me to send you a notification? And then to, to invoke the permissioning flow. Yeah. And I, I assume that if there was an email procedure that it would require you to do something similar. Although getting your email address is just a matter of creating an account and getting account permissions. Yeah. So yeah, I guess I would have expected in that case to you know, at least get a prompt that says, hey, would you like to sign up for weekly emails, yes or no? Or, or have it be an explicit thing like, hey, if you would like to sign up for weekly emails, just say, you know, or, even, or yeah. even on the first email, say, we've noticed you've registered. If you'd like to keep receiving emails, reply to this email. That's a true double opt-in. Yeah. Which is, at least it used to be what you know standard, standard practice was for, for getting emails. Yeah. In this case, there was a link where I could go and I could opt out of emails, but that's different than a right. double opt-in. I mean, they needed to provide you an opt-out link anyway from the, I believe it was the Can Spam Act, at least in yeah. the US. Um, so yeah, they needed to do that, but that's still different than double opt-in, yeah. which what used to be, the, like I said, it used to be the gold standard. It's been many years since I needed to deal with uh, email campaigns, fortunately. <laughs> so, okay, you know, I, I started out by saying that I didn't think, you know, these like seemed like two very different uh, approaches and they're not not as different as I first thought I guess again yeah it's it is interesting um, so I was wondering how they differed because I know like in in Jovo there are some common terminology that they've used for invoking permissions and some events that they've given in the case of uh, uh, you know specifically in the in the Google case where you can then get a uh, capture an event on the uh, on the other side of it to say if they've enabled it the permissions or not. And so I've, I've used that, um, but I did notice in certain cases where I did have to ask every time on the Google side of things and I didn't have to do that after the first time with the Alexa side. Yeah. So. You know, and, and I don't mean to spring this one on you because I don't know, we didn't discuss this. What does Bixby do in the way of permissions? So uh, there are some specific permissions. Um, that you can set um, at the um, at the at the time that you're specifying the the capsule, like these are the permissions, and then if I'm remembering correctly, that when you invoke the capsule for the first time, it it asks you if you want to accept those permissions, and then just goes on. It's <laughs> I don't know that you can turn it on or off um, uh, sp specifically, but I've used things like getting access to the the user's information or getting access to a geolocation. So I've done that a little bit, and I think it's just a one-time, uh, do you accept all these permissions or not? And that's kind of more like the initial prompt on like on a mobile oh, yeah. app, right? Um, though oh, that's interesting, and I don't know if you've got something similar on Google side, you can go into Alexa privacy settings, and one of the things that you can do is say manage permissions, and it lists all of the different permissions and then when you expand it, it shows you which skills you have have that permission set or not set for. You you don't on the Google side because you cannot set things permanently on the Google side. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but but what you do have, I mean, the the 
sort of the interesting parallel, since the one that you can do it for account linking is you can go to your entry on the action. Well, there are two places. One is that you can on the actions directory, um, there's a link to unlink your, uh, unlink your account from this and also see what information is stored in the, the user data about it. Um, but also again, and, and this kind of goes into how Google's accounts are just connected all across the board. Mm -hmm. um, Google has a way that you can go in and see what apps, mobile apps, web apps, or actions are linked to your account and unlink okay. your account from there as well. And that's a Google-wide setting. All right. And Google has that bundled under their My Account or My Privacy pages, which are, again, part of Google's overall setup. Well, Ellen, this has been very enlightening. <laughs> <laughs> Always interesting stuff that we uncover. <laughs> so thank you for uh, you know, helping me better understand. Uh, you know, I'm I'm doing more and more on the on the action side of things. So I feel like I'm uh, you know, trying to get in some of my questions before I hit them or different things like that. I <laughs> well, you appreciate know, you. I, as I you know, as we said when we started this out, is you know, it's it's a lot of exploration on both of our sides. Is you know. We've, we've always kind of wondered exactly how the other part did it. And uh, this is our way of answering our curiosities. Yeah. And I, and I appreciate people um, listening. I, I uh, had some people reach out about conversations. I was able to forward them to uh, our episode where we talked about conversations and, and, and different things. And so just you know, as we explore things, uh, we just encourage you to you know, follow along and learn with us and ask questions. And you know, there's, we don't have all the answers. No, we don't, but you know what, you know, and I think that's the best part about this journey as developers is yeah. we're, we're finding this, you know, we're figuring out the solutions or we're building the solutions. And that's, that's kind of always the fun part. That's why we do this, right? Yes, that, that definitely. It's fun, fun for me. So thank you again, everyone for joining us. Uh, we are two voice devs. Have a good week. Two voice devs. Take care, everybody.